Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. All right, everybody. We finally reached this milestone. This is episode 100 of the Traveling Image Makers podcast. Woohoo! Hey, Ralph, how does it feel like? It feels great. Uh, you know, I've I've been a participant in 50 episodes because I think my first episode with you as a co-host was episode number 50. So it's 100 for you, 50 for me, but uh, 100 for the show is fantastic. It's fantastic. It's, uh, it's been almost two years because we've uh, managed to release an episode every single week and we never skipped one. And <laughs> I think we plan to do so for the foreseeable future. Uh, it's uh, it's been a great experience. Uh, as I I always say, it takes a lot of my time and your time, uh, organization, finding the guests, finding topics, recording, producing, and everything. But it's uh, uh, it's so much fun. I have a lot of fun doing it, and I, I'm sure you have uh, you feeling the same. Yeah, I can't thank you enough for for asking me to co-host with you. This has been a great experience. Um, I've really enjoyed. Uh, talking to quite a few of the listeners and the, the the contest has been great too because it really gets us one-on-one with some of the listeners and i sure hope that uh, more people will submit their images for for the future contests as well yeah we have this uh, contest that is uh, basically monthly maybe we'll next one will be bi-monthly again just because uh, it takes uh, that that's another thing that takes a lot of time but uh, that's available on our uh, Facebook group, uh, the Traveling Image Makers Corner. Uh, just search for it on Facebook. There will be a link uh, in the show notes for this episode, which will be at ttim.photo forward slash 100, 100, of course. Um, and it, and I should say that there's been some really great submissions. So show us your best work because there's a lot of good competition out there. It's been very difficult to pick winners uh, each time. So show us your best. Yep, and we will have probably next episode, we will interview the winners of the the last contest and the one uh, will be already uh, on its way by, by the time this is released, which we are recording this a few days earlier, but uh, the schedule is that this will be released on Halloween. Have you got any plans for Halloween? I don't think you will be in the US, right? No, I'll actually be in uh, Jodhpur, India, the blue city, uh, just about finishing up our Colors and Culture of India tour. Uh, actually ends on November 1st. So that's where I'll be. It'll be interesting so, to see how and if they celebrate Halloween over there. I'm not sure they do, but maybe they're important. <laughs> I mean, uh, here in Italy, we don't, we, we never really celebrate it, but... Uh, you know, American culture is so pervasive and with the, with the movies and the TV and books and everything, we've absorbed a lot of American cultures and traditions. So at least for kids, Halloween has become kind of a tradition, but they don't do trick or treat. They mostly do parties, dress up in costumes, horror costumes for, for parties. That's uh, that's where we, the way we do Halloween here, basically. But anyway, happy Halloween to, to all of our listeners who... Are a growing tribe. Uh, we have uh, our audience is growing with uh, 
each week. Uh, it's great to it's great to to see that that we are probably satisfying. We are making people happy. They love listening to us. Uh, we also love uh, listening to you, uh, our dear audience, because um, we we know you're out there. Uh, we would like to hear from you. So uh, comments on uh, on the website. Uh, uh, reviews on comments on iTunes that would be very much appreciated. We we would love to to hear from you, uh, especially we would love to to have some feedback, some directions on on where to take this show. Uh, who can we maybe suggestion for uh, for guests, suggestions for topic that you would like us to talk about? Because otherwise we have to uh, just to figure it out ourselves. Having some uh, uh, some. Something from the audience would be great to be able to actually meet the needs and desires uh, of everyone. Yeah, let us know what you're looking for, what kind of topics we can uh, discuss. And if you have people that you'd like to recommend that we have as guests on the show, that would help us out a lot. Great. So for this episode, we don't have any guests. Uh, for a while, we thought about celebrating uh, our 100th episode between just uh, you and me. Um, but we will just basically be interviewing each other about our most recent trips. I think we've already mentioned those in a, in a few other episodes, but just uh, on passing. So I, I wanted to to ask you now that you've been uh, back home from your most recent trips uh, and you have the time to maybe to solidify your impressions about a uh, few of the, the places you've been to, and in particular Bulgaria. I think it was your first trip there. And last time we, we spoke about that, you said you were really impressed by the country, uh, and, but you, you needed more days to, to really explore it. It was just at the beginning of your your time there, your days there. So uh, by now, I think you, you had more experiences there. So what's, uh, what's so great about Bulgaria? What did you like most about it? Well, it's, uh, it's a fairly small country. Uh, so I just finished up a group trip to Romania, which is right next door. And I flew directly to, uh, from Bucharest to Sofia. And we've got a really wonderful tour operator there who's uh, helping me put this trip together. And what I love about any destination and what I look for in a destination when I put a group trip together is variety. So you've got the capital city of Sofia, which uh, has a lot of different types of churches and monasteries, uh, architecture, great walking, wonderful restaurants. It's a very inexpensive city. Uh, but then you've also got very remote places. Uh, uh, there's also Rila Monastery, and we get to uh, a beautiful town that we ended up at on the scouting trip called Velika Tornovo, which uh, kind of reminds me of some of the sort of uh, seaside hill towns in, in Italy uh, to a degree. It's on a river. It's, it's not on the ocean or anything, but uh, you've got these, uh, these wonderful architecture that just kind of flows into the valley and just uh, loosely reminded me of uh, some, some parts of Italy that I've seen. But uh, I saw, just... Uh, yeah, I, I, I remember seeing a photo of you that you shared on Facebook. Uh, you went to one of those... Uh, crumbling abandoned uh, buildings from the communist era 
And of course, Bulgaria was part of the Soviet bloc until the beginning of the 19th, basically. So um, I've seen that that building in uh, looks like a, a UFO, right? A big round building, which is crumbling down. Can, can you explain what, what that was exactly or what it, what it is now? How Can you get there? Can you visit it? Is it safe? Yeah, it's uh, it's in uh, Budvluja, which is a difficult town to to pronounce, but it is uh, a monument to communism, and it's from the 1970s and 80s. But it looks like it's been there since the 40s or 50s, because it's now very derelict. It's crumbling. Um, it used to be open to the public, and you can get inside. And it's supposed to be have a very impressive interior. Uh, some of the best mosaics in the world, um, this amazing cross and sickle on the ceiling. But uh, it was meant for these uh, communist meetings that they would have. But since the, the wall fell, it's pretty much just been left derelict. But it's an amazing, amazing structure, one of the most incredible sights I've ever seen in my life. And so we spent some time there. We got the drone out. We uh, really had some fun with that and uh so it's an impressive site that i'm looking forward to bringing our group back to and uh i mean is it accessible uh, is it possible to to visit it do you uh, do you need a permit or there's no uh entry fee to get in there's a public parking lot you can walk around the outside at your leisure but you cannot get on get in the inside unless you uh, there's a couple ways to get in, but they didn't look very safe to me. I mean, there's like a hole in the ground with a, you know, with a, a string essentially to <laughs> to kind of pull yourself down in there. I would never do it. I know some people are a lot more adventurous than I am, but if you simply look on YouTube for this building, uh, you'll you'll see some incredible video that people have taken uh, from the inside, either breaking in or, like I said, it was open to the public, I think, maybe a year ago. But I think it's probably very dangerous on the inside because mm-hmm. it's it's not, not maintained whatsoever. Yeah, I see. And how is the infrastructure in general in, in the country? I mean, is uh, um, still uh, recovering from the, the communist years? Is it developing yeah. quickly? I mean, many countries I've been to. I've never been to Bulgaria, but I've been to uh, Czech uh, and Croatia, Serbia. Those places are uh, nothing like they were 20 years ago, especially Croatia and Serbia. They were involved in a tragic war, which left the marks uh, there. But they are very, very modern, very European in a, in a way. Look like Western European countries. How is Bulgaria in that respect? Yeah, Sofia, like I said, is a, a, a bustling capital city, great restaurants, a lot of uh, very interesting sites, good hotels. Uh, the countryside itself, the roads are good. Uh, there are some uh, mostly two-lane roads where it uh, can be a little bit rough in, in parts, but uh, I was impressed with the roads there. I'm always uh, interested in what kind of hotels we can get for our groups. The hotels were uh, very uh, uh, very, very good. You know, they, they weren't high-end five-star hotels, which we don't normally stay at anyway, but I look for centrally located, clean and safe hotels. Uh, so we had that no problem. And, uh, the, the vehicle that we had was fine. And the, 
you know, it's it, the, the restaurants are very good, lots of very hearty food. So I think the tourist infrastructure is great, but uh, we did drive through some small villages that were essentially being abandoned or had very few people left living there. Because, of course, like uh, most places, there's a brain drain. So the, the young younger generation that's coming up in these small villages, they're leaving because they don't want to do agriculture or sheep herding or things like that. They want to move to the, the big city and, and get into the high-tech jobs and be involved with the Internet and things like that. And it's, it's understandable, but it's unfortunate, too, because so many of these, these small villages and these, these small businesses – are uh, they're going to die off, unfortunately? And do the people speak English there in general? Is it hard to to be understood? You need an interpreter. Yeah, I mean, of course, we had a, a, a local guide with us, and we will on our tour as well. Uh, the the older generation is less likely to speak English, as in most places. Uh, younger generation, you know, not many people speak Bulgarian. Of course, they use the Cyrillic alphabet, which is uh, interesting. Uh, most menus and signs are are in both Cyrillic and the you know, Western-style alphabet, uh, Latin. But um, the the communication wasn't an issue, except with the much older generation. That it's less likely that they're going to speak English, just just like about anywhere in the world, really. How about you? How how was your trip to Thailand? Tell us about that. Yeah, my trip was great. Uh, we already talked about that briefly uh, in the past. I uh, just wanted to maybe to, to to mention a few of the places I've been to because some are very very popular, so other other maybe less so. So uh, if you don't mind, I would like to to give a little bit of a aside from the general impressions uh, of Thailand, which is uh, my first time there. It's a, it's a great country. Uh, it has a lot of variety. So from a photographical point of view, it can offer something to, to everyone. If you're into street photography, landscape, nature, wildlife, people, whatever, food, uh, it's a, it has something for everyone. The, um, my, my highlights were, well, of course, we went to Bangkok, uh, it's a metropolis. It's a it's a big city. Uh, it's a modern city, very modern city. But we uh, we still had some some interesting uh, views and some interesting visits, which were not maybe on everybody's uh, path. One of them is the this small neighborhood, which is called Bam Bath. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. I was. Uh, trying to, to get a taxi driver to bring me there, and he couldn't understand what I was saying because I was basically pronouncing it something like ban bath. And <laughs> I told him like five times, and then I showed it on the map, and he couldn't read it. And then he finally his eyes lit up and said, ah, you mean ban bath. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I that's said. Bamba. That's Bamba. Okay. Anyway, that's uh, that, that's a very small neighborhood. It's basically just a couple of uh, streets in the in the center of Bangkok, in the old Bangkok, where uh, you know the, the Buddhist monks uh, across all the, the Asia they survive on alms, on charity from from the people. So they go out of the monastery early in the morning with those bowls in their hands. And the people would um, give alms. They would give typically food or maybe small amounts of money or uh, objects like, I don't know, soap bars, st 
stuff like that that allowed the monks to to survive and those um, traditionally those bowls were made from from copper which was hand uh, 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 handmade into they got two sheets of copper they create a cross then they bend it and then with a hammer a hammer they beat it into shape until it's uh, it becomes uh, those bowls but now those um the, the Buddhist authorities have decided that it's uh, admissible to have uh, industrially produced bowls. So they're made in China with uh, cheap metal or plastic or something like that. But there are still, I think, five families surviving in Bangkok where they still make those bowls the traditional way. Now, the difference is that they probably don't sell those to monks anymore. They sell it to tourists. So it's a, it's a nice craft that's still surviving because of, of tourists like us. So so we went there, we asked to see how they were made, and of course we we bought uh, one of them to to bring home as a as a souvenir. So that's uh, and we took some photos of the people working there. So can we please take, please take your photos? So that's something that you don't see in a lot of uh, tourist guides. Uh, I saw it mentioned in a on a tourist uh, guidebook that I had, and I wanted to visit there. So that's a great, uh, maybe a little bit of off the beaten path place in Bangkok that I would like to to recommend. Uh, then, of course, we did the temples, the royal palace, the uh, the canal cruise, and and Chinatown, which is another great place if you're into street photography. Uh, Chinatown at night is a buzzing neighborhood where thousands of people crowd the street to eat from those food carts and food stalls on the street on the on the pavement on the on the sidewalk if you're American <laughs> and you can get a bit pretty much bit of everything in terms of food typically very tasty very good and photographically it's a fantastic area so that that was uh, Bangkok for us. Uh, then we moved by train to Ayutthaya, which is a, a city which is about uh, 50 miles or 60, 80 kilometers north of Bangkok. Well, I, I learned that Ayutthaya used to, used to be the old capital of Thailand until it was uh, conquered and destroyed, burned to the ground by the Burmese army during uh, a war in the 18th century. It was around uh, 1767, I think. And then, according to some sources, Ayutthaya had maybe a million inhabitants. So it was probably the largest, most populous city in the world. It was more populous than London or Paris at the time. Wow. Uh, it was completely destroyed and everyone emigrated somewhere else, to the south, to typically, basically to the area where now is Bangkok, which was founded as the new capital of the, of the kingdom. And now all that is left, all the civil civilian uh, dwellings, all the houses were, in, were wooden, so they burned to the ground. There is nothing left. The only things that are left are the, the temples, uh, which were in, uh, in stone. Uh, of course, without all the decorations, because they were pillaged uh, by the invaders, uh, all that's left are those those amazing ruins, which are spread over... An area that is uh, probably as big as the, the center of Paris. I mean, it's a huge area, which is almost empty if not for those temples. Uh, the experience there was also traveling there by train. Uh, let me just say that trains in Thailand are not 
always on time. <laughs> but as long as you're patient, uh, you get to your destination eventually. From there, we went to Sukhothai, which is, was another even older capital of the kingdom of Thailand, which was uh, uh, in the Middle Ages. Then it was abandoned as well. And again, amazing ruins in a huge park, which is all green and trees and lawns. Looks like uh, might be Hyde Park in London. Just imagine Hyde Park in London or Central Park in New York with those green lawns and trees, with those ruins and Buddha statues everywhere. Pretty amazing. Uh, from there we went to Lampang, which is more to the north, uh, pretty provincial city, uh, nice and quiet with a few interesting temples. And from there we moved to Chiang Mai, which is the capital of the north of Thailand, uh, famed for its temples again, which are as beautiful as those in Bangkok, but definitely less crowded. And if you're into street photography again, there are you should go to Chiang Mai during the weekend because they have the those markets. Um, there's the Saturday street uh, uh, night market and the Sunday street night market on two different streets. They block the traffic. They turn the streets into pedestrian only. They put down uh, markets there with stalls and restaurants. And again, it's incredibly popular. Lots of people there, lots of subjects to, to photograph. So did you get did you get to an, any uh, the beach the seaside at all? Uh, after Chiang Mai, we went to the islands. We went to Koh Samui, which is uh, an island in the Gulf of Thailand. It's beautiful, but it's uh, I mean it probably used to be much better years ago. I personally would not go back there. It's been it's just too touristy, too crowded. So uh, the nice thing about Koh Samu uh, is that they have uh, both trips to Ang Tong, which is a um, natural marine park. It's a very small archipelago of islands. Uh, just imagine those uh, karst pinnacles uh, rising out of the sea, completely covered with jungle and white beaches, uh, amazing uh, corals, coral reefs, great for snorkeling and swimming. Is that the, just a day trip from Koh Samui? Yeah, you can. The, there are no hotels there. Uh, there are some uh, lodges because it's a, it's a national park. There are some lodges with bungalows where you can stay for overnight. So it would be nice to, to overnight there. I think it would be probably the best thing. We, we didn't think of that. But if you overnight there, you mean all the boats will bring the tourists during the day. And then by 5 p.m. they're all gone. So if you're there... It's maybe a half a dozen bungalows and you have the island, the, all those islands basically to yourself. So that would be great. Then we went to, to Koh Tao, which is a pretty small island north of Koh Samui, uh, becoming more touristy, but still uh, uh, much more intimate and quiet and small. Uh, we, we really loved our time in Koh Tao. Um, yeah, again, great beaches. Great, uh, especially great snorkeling there. Uh, the coral reef is uh, is probably one of the best in the world. In fact, it's a place where I think they claim they uh, give more um, diving licenses there than in every in any other place in the world. There are diving schools everywhere, so you can just go there and get your how do you say that in, in English? Your license, right? Your diving license. Certificate. Certificate. Yeah, certificate. Mm -hmm. Paddy affiliated schools and those kind of uh, 
uh, those kind of schools. So that, that's uh, that's great if you love the sea. And, uh, yeah. How how long were you gone? Because it sounds like you covered quite a bit of ground. We were in Thailand for uh, sixteen days. Okay. Yeah. And uh, now this is a trip that you took with your family, right? Yeah. yeah. It was a family okay. trip. Okay. And uh, and in August. End of August, beginning of September. How was the weather at that time? Uh, it was surprisingly better than we expected. We knew <laughs> it was not going to be the best. I mean, probably the best season for Thailand is uh, winter, December to February, uh, cooler temperatures, uh, uh, drier climate. Uh, August, September is in the middle of the rainy season. Mm. We expected it to be rainy. We got some rain. We got some thunderstorms, but... You know, typically those thunderstorms would last for uh, for a few minutes, maybe mm. in the afternoon or at night. Uh, we had great sun, let's say 50-50 between sun and clouds. Hot temperatures, humid. If you're in the city, it can be, uh, it can be hard at times. I mean, visiting some temples in Bangkok was really... We sweated a lot, <laughs> but I mean, you you take it. You you know you're going to do it, and you drink a lot. You eat a lot of ice cream, uh, mango juice, and those kind of things to to get by. And you stay out a couple hours, then you go back to the hotel, maybe take a shower, freshen up a bit, and then go out again. So mm-hmm. definitely doable. I mean, nothing. We were, we were lucky we didn't have a big monsoon with uh, days and days of rain. Sometimes it happens, right? So we are lucky, yeah. I would say. Yeah, I've been to, Thai, uh, to Thailand twice, but really only to Bangkok. And so I I don't even think that, I, you know, I don't even consider that I've seen the country, that's for sure. And uh, Bangkok itself, I would love to get outside of, of the big city and see some of the, the lesser known islands and... Uh, beachfront which uh you know just yeah, you, you just picture that exotic sort of tropical destination there i do definitely recommend kotao uh if you it's not as picturesque as some of the other islands that are on the andaman sea coast uh if you if you can imagine the map of thailand it's uh shaped they say like the head of an elephant of an elephant so the big head, the head of the elephant, is the central Thailand, and then there is the the, the the peninsula that stretches out from south from it, which resembles a bit the elephant trunk. Mm-hmm. And the islands like Koh Samui and Kotao are on the west uh, eastern side of the peninsula. Uh, places like uh, Pipi Island, uh, Phuket, uh, the Similan Archipelago are on the western side. And these are the most, if you see postcards on Thailand, if you see the, those beaches from uh, the, the the beach, the movie with DiCaprio or James Bond movies, they are typically shot on the eastern side, on the western side, western. because it's more dramatic landscape, definitely. Mm-hmm. It has one problem, at least during the, the wet season, during the, let's say, June to September, because the monsoon is coming from the west. So it's hitting those islands harder. And then most of the rain gets uh, discharged on the western side. And when the clouds arrive on the eastern side, they carry much less rain. 
So let's say June to September, if you want to go to the sea, it's the time to go to the Gulf of Thailand on the eastern side. Then in October, the winds start to change and they blow from the east. So October to December in the Gulf of Thailand is not good because you typically get strong winds and high seas. You cannot go snorkeling there. You cannot go diving because it's just because of the waves. It will all the silt and the sand will make visibility close to zero. Mm. And it's you can get stuck on an island for a week because of the high seas, the rough seas. The boats will not will not go. I've uh, just talking to somebody the other day, and he showed me some photos. He was in December in Kotao, and he had big floods, and they had water to their knees. And they were stuck there for days because the boats were not, just not going to to the mainland. They could not leave the island. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Uh, I mean, that's good information to knowing where to be when, in in that place or any place really. Yeah. We had uh, fantastic clouds in Bulgaria. I mean, I'm a big cloud person. I, I really hate just a plain blue sky. And I would say that 13 out of 14 days, we just had just glorious clouds, which make for, you know, that that real nice even light and some great time lapses. So um, I was real happy with this time of year. So late September, early October in uh, in Bulgaria. It's a great, great time great of the year to, to be in Europe. Yeah, it really is. I mean, probably in the whole world, but in Europe in particular, because the high season is over. It's not as hot as in August, July, August. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, kids are in school, so families don't travel yeah. as much. Uh, everything is cheaper. And so yeah. September, October are great months. I uh, always love traveling in Europe in those months. So are you going to uh, organize a, a, a tour to, to Bulgaria to bring people there now that you explore the country in the future? Yeah, that was a scouting trip. So I uh, was traveling for about 14 or 15 days with a local tour operator that's helping me put the trip together. I also brought along a videographer who videotaped the, the whole the whole trip. So I've got several different projects that I'm working on. So hired a videographer to document the whole trip for uh, some different uses that I have. So that was uh, fun to do that at the same time, but also scouting. So I'll be putting some of those uh, short video clips up uh, on Facebook and the website at some point. But uh, but yeah, this was a scouting trip. And uh, we saw, I, I think we traveled about 2,000 kilometers, but with the group, it's going to be more like about 1,200 so as you know, with scouting trips, you tend to see a lot more than mm. you actually put together with the group trip itself. Uh, maybe not traveling as efficiently as you would with the group, seeing more things, taking things out, adding other things. Uh, but a uh, great experience. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, it's uh, like I said, it's right next to Romania, but it's it's got this very communist era feel to it and these these villages have that very communist architecture and uh you've got plovdiv which is the the second largest city in the in the country uh has these eight thousand year old greek ruins uh really a lot of history because there was such a this uh 
that part of Europe was such a crossroads for many different cultures. And so I went to some Thracian ruins, which uh, these Thracian tombs, which I'd never even heard of the Thracians, to be honest with you. And uh, this this one site we went to, we were the only ones there. Uh, We had to have a private, uh, because hardly anyone goes to this site, we had to have a private, uh, they, they had to come and open it up for us. And it, to me, was just about as impressive as the pyramids of Egypt. Now, it wasn't anywhere near as big, but the history and the fact that it was all original uh, and the time, this was, uh, I I think it was about 2,500 years old, these ruins, just fascinating. So, great stuff. Plus, you've got uh, tobacco uh, region where they, they, at one time, uh, Bulgaria was the largest cigarette tobacco producer in the world. Uh, they produced more wine than than France. So pretty impressive stuff. And uh, so we saw a lot of vineyards and uh, fishermen working on the Black Sea. Uh, you got the, the easternmost part of the country is jets out into the Black Sea. Uh, they make rakia, which is their local fire water. Mm-hmm. You see the people making, uh, sometimes illegally, but... Mostly they're made of co-ops, you know, made out of uh, pears and apples and things like that. But uh, really great stuff to see. And now you're going to India, right? Next week? Yeah, I leave on Monday for India. So I've got that trip coming up October 20th through November 1st. Really looking forward to get back there. i uh, got a great group of mostly veteran clients of mine. Uh, there and then I've got a couple days in between. Then I start my Cambodia Kingdom of Wonder trip, which is one of my favorite itineraries. Haven't been to Cambodia in a couple of years, so really looking forward to get back there, have some great food, uh, and just uh, meet some really wonderful people. So, and then I hope to have a little bit of free time, uh, perhaps stay in Cambodia for two or three weeks on my own, do some scouting relax a little bit, and then I may go to Vietnam and possibly Sri Lanka. Wow. How about yourself? What do you have coming up? Is your Oman trip coming up pretty soon? Your Oman, yeah, my Oman trip. uh, We still have a couple of uh, spots left, uh, but I already talked uh, at length about Oman in previous episodes. And I've that, so just mentioned that we, if you, people are still interested, we have a couple of spots left. This is in December. Uh, I've got uh, Venice for the Carnival in February and uh, places are just starting to fill up and I haven't advertised it a lot, but uh, in May I'm doing the uh, Cinque Terre and Italian Riviera Tour. That's going to be Mm -hmm. May 3rd to 7th. Wonderful. Uh, Still uh, just basically barely started advertising it, so... Uh, still lots of uh, free spots there. It's a, a quick trip, only four days in that area. Um, people want to to find more about it. It's all at my, my website, ucphoto.me. Uh, There's a tours section um, with all the, anything, the, everything that's coming up for, for me. I'd love to love to do Cinque Terre. It's a place I have not been in Italy, but uh, love to go there with you, especially someone who knows it so well. Yeah, I've been there maybe a dozen times, so <laughs> definitely recommend <laughs> it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. If I could just mention that uh, I've got two Cuba trips coming up in March. 
So they're back-to-back. I believe it's March 11th through 17th and 19th through the 25th. There'll be similar itineraries, but back-to-back. And um, that's a a fantastic destination. Those will be my 17th and 18th trips to Cuba. So I like to think I know it well and have it pretty wired. So if anyone's interested in that, just go to photoenrichment.com and look for tours. And how's the tour organizer training coming up? Yeah, so TOT, tour organizer training, is going very well. Been doing quite a few uh, free webinars. Uh, People can go to tourorganizertraining.com. And look for the free webinar there, and you can sit in and uh, hear hear what it's about. But uh, I'm super excited about it. We're getting some great feedback. Uh, the, the the very new TOT Facebook page, we're getting a, a lot of likes. It's really wonderful. People are very interested in this topic. So I just spoke at the Travel Bloggers Exchange, TBEX in Ireland, in Killarney, and uh, presented it there. Also did it for Travel Massive. So Really, really excited about the prospects for TOT. How was Killarney? I was there a few years ago and was, I was impressed by how beautiful that part of Ireland is. I mean, all of Ireland is yeah. beautiful. But the- yeah, I've only been to, I'd only been to Dublin before. And if, you, if people uh, in Killarney ask you, have you been to Ireland before? And I said, uh, well, I've been to Dublin. It says, that doesn't count. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's, I think there's a little bit of a rivalry, but unfortunately I didn't get to see too much of the countryside. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they had some wonderful events for us, uh, a really beautiful place, but I didn't get to do the ring of Kerry or the Dingle Peninsula, uh, pretty much just drove from Killarney back to Dublin to fly out. Uh, it's definitely a country that I would love to put a trip together to, uh, it's just beautiful and as green as they, they say. We had wonderful weather, did not uh, rain maybe an hour in the five or six days I was there. Beautiful clouds, um, you know, just – and Killarney itself has this wonderful main street with these uh, these great old pubs, some of them more modern than others. But uh, yeah, I walked into this one and it was like stepping back in time. I mean, I you know, these – these locals were speaking English, I know, but I could hardly understand a word. <laughs> and uh, and they were just having such a great time and probably on their third or fourth pint of Guinness at noon. And uh, just a, a great experience. Uh, and the lakes there are great too. I mean, when we when I was in Killarney, we did this, uh, the, the Gap of Downlow, which is a mountain pass, which is near Killarney. And what, what you can do, you can do it by bike. And you do a loop. You start from Killarney and you go to the lake, to the lakeside where there are boats. And you, you get bikes. You have a, you rent bikes. And you can put the bikes on the boat and they will bring you to the, across three different lakes. Then you get to a landing and then you jump on the bike and you climb up this mountain pass. Uh, it's quite steep. Uh, <laughs> especially when I did it, I got uh, wind coming down from the mountain against me. It was... Oh. A bit hard, and then you go down the other way through this valley, with there are more lakes, and then you come all around into the the city again. And uh, wow. the landscape uh, at the pass looks a bit like the Scottish Highlands, mm. of those bare mountains with rocks and and grass. There isn't a single tree in sight, uh, with the lakes in the valleys. Uh, it's it's beautiful if you've been to the Scottish Highlands. It resembles a bit that that kind of landscape. So great for photography too. Sounds stunning. 
All right, so we talked about Bulgaria, we talked about Thailand uh, and Ireland as well. We managed to, to fill a little bit of tips about <laughs> Ireland. I hope our listeners will uh, get some inspiration and information if they wanted to travel to those, uh, to those places. Uh, and again, uh, this is uh, episode 100 of the Traveling Image Makers quite a milestone so all the links to to everything that we mentioned including our respective websites uh, tour operations uh, uh, facebook pages and so on will be available at ttim.photo forward slash 100 that's one zero zero so what else uh, ralph uh, it's been great talking to you again and uh, all the best for your trip to India. Have a nice uh, travel there and uh, have fun while there. Well, I really appreciate it. I can't wait to get back and uh, show this amazing destination to, to some of my best clients. And uh, people can follow me on all the, the social media networks, but I'll certainly be putting up some pictures as we go along so people can follow along. If they look for me uh, at Ralph Velasco or at Photo Enrichment on just about all these social networks, how about yourself? Where can people find you online? Uh, yeah, I would just say my website, ucphoto.me. Uh, there are links there to, to everything I do. Uh, as for social media, just look for my name. It's pretty unique. Ugo Che, U G O C E I, and you will find me easily on Facebook, uh, Twitter. Uh, Instagram. These are the networks that I'm active on at the moment. 